0: I mean, we're putting chapatis on the plates of so many babajis and other other um, sects of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. This is Bhakti, now, with the contribution—why <laughs> he may object, object to certain things—he's still feeding them. Devaishnavs save? anyone who's chanting, we should respect. We cannot agree always with their conduct necessarily, but still we respect them. This is in effect is what's happening—you're giving currency life to them you understand? Feeding them. Yeah. And giving it to the whole world. So this should go on like this. Bhakti Sanzasli Thakur was fond of saying, let the current of bhakti known live for, if we live forever in the world. So we have something to do in that regard. Uh, you cannot just turn it into like Prabhupada appeared in a vacuum. He's got no past. There's no succession. No more comments relevant to time and circumstance. He's the last Acharya. We're, we're, it's kind of nonsense come from. We don't care about the previous acharya. only about what Prabhupada said. This is not Bhaktivinoda Pārīvār. And if you say Bhaktivinoda Pārīvār, they'll object. No, Prabhupāda Prabhupada, You see, we have to be able to... If you want to glorify Prabhupāda, for example, our Gurudev, you have to do it accurately. Sentiment is not enough. It has to be according to Shastra. It has to be accurate. He had a contribution Historically, we have to analyze what that is. And it's extraordinary. But he didn't do everything. You know, Bhaktivinoda Thakur said once, I left this world my work undone. You might have heard the quote. In Vishnu John Marsh, he asked Prabhupada, What did he mean? What did Prabhupada say? Oh, that is his mercy. He left something for us to do. So, Prabhupada had no mercy to leave us anything to do that we could grow you know, fit into his, his shoes and keep the current of Bhagavad Gita Vinod Thakur alive in the world. Oh. He left so much for us to do. And so apparent. anyone has eyes to see it. Oh, it's a nightmare what, what there is to do. So, this way, we, we uh, spiritual life is, is dynamic. As I said, you know, people join organizations oftentimes simply to So that they don't have to think. But uh, that's not what we come to a guru for, really. The first thing he'll tell us, no, it's not for that. I'm not going to think for you. I can teach you how to think. You have to think. I can teach you what's worth thinking about and what great people have thought about that. But you have to do that. It's a little, you know, you wanted to come and just have somebody do everything for you and tell you what to do, but, you know, it's not like, that's not what the guru does. So when we turn it into something like that, then we become moronic and, and, it, and it doesn't have any life. People will not be attracted. We will not be getting anything from it. We become mean-spirited only and dogmatic. You know, like we used to meet, sometimes we used to sell book, we meet Christians, some of them were like really mean people. You know, They wouldn't have, wouldn't think about Christ all day until they met you and you were trying to tell them about your your religious mm-hmm. tradition. And then they come out. And, You're one of them. We don't want to become like that, right? Don't think it can't happen. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> it's happened. So, so on a day like this, the disappearance of Bhakti from the world, he disappeared, as he said, my work undone, to give some some work for us to do. And it will always be the case of, of Guru Parampara, leaving some work to be done. And those who can catch the spirit of it, you know, if you catch the spirit of it you can understand it. Just like some time ago I was on the plane, airplane flying somewhere. And I heard and mm-hmm. I had the music in the background before you take off. And da 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 they were playing the Beatles, you know, so I could recognize it. It wasn't Beatles, it was a symphony. So many instruments, orchestra, you know. Because I know, you know, The Beatles. (laughs) Like we all do. I could understand the song. It was different players, different instruments, entirely. So, if we have some feeling for the thing, then when it's presented a little differently, with a little different presentation, different vocabulary, even a different emphasis and so forth, we're going to say, oh, that's Godi Vaishnavism, yes. And that kind of presentation will help me to think about it from a different angle and so forth and see the multifaceted nature of the thing. I had the good fortune of coming under the shelter of Bhakti Dev Goswami Maharaja, after Prabhupada disappeared, and I could understand, oh, this is the same tune, you know? this is the same thing, this is Gaudiya Vaisham. He talks about it a little differently in some places. He uses that verse that Prabhupada used in a slightly different way. Oh, it can be used like that also. Oh, interesting. And, and it, rather than think, oh, he used it different than Prabhupada, it must be wrong. I could have said, no, I could see, oh, this person is Krishna conscious. Well, that's, that was obvious. You asked him a question, then he would give an answer that made your questions. He like, oh, that was a stupid question, but what an answer. So it was good for me because it enabled me to see, oh, you had to look at how to see, it. oh, you have to be individual also. That there's some parameters within which Krishna consciousness what it is, what it is, dynamic and alive and, and so on. So, to keep up with the thing, you see, because it will leave you behind, it will go on. It has a life of its own, it will go on, and someone will be carrying it. And will you be able to recognize who's carrying it? This is the question that we have to keep up with and see. Otherwise, we'll be left behind only, with a shell of what it is. Empty shell. So this is the kind of, as I say, the kind of, what is the mission of Bhakti Vinod Thakur. That's what, it's, what it was like. Just see his wide-sweeping... You know, books like Sri Krishna Samhita were just absolutely revolutionary at, at the time. And then, to be dynamic also, we have to see, like, to, like take Bhakti Vinod in this instance, like, books like Sri Krishna Samhita, he took things like evolution and tried to talk about it. And, he talked about the Das avatar in relation to evolution in one place. If you follow that out, it, it, it kind of falls short in some ways, but the fact that he was willing to do that and to try to do that, that was took realization, insight, and so forth. So in any way, every way, every way dynamic, both in terms of the tradition itself, speaking to it and reforming it, and in terms of speaking to uh, the uninitiated and presenting it in a dynamic way. I mean, he was corresponding with Emerson. At least he wrote to Emerson and Thoreau. I mean, these were the, the first American transcendentalists. This is incredible if you think about that. He's an you know, in Indian, Orissa, uh, writing to Emerson and Thoreau. This is, uh, like, he's a modern person. You know, there's a famous letter. It was written by an English lady. You know, the English were involved in India for quite some time. And forget who she wrote it to, but some people in Godi Mata have a copy of that, and I've seen that letter. And she's writing back to her countrymen, patriots of England, and she said, she's speaking about Bhaktisiddhanta, the disciple of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And she said, and, and you know India, they, they, she, I, she said, I've met many of the so-called sadhus of India, but this one is different, she said. This one is different. He even has an English toilet. <laughs> you know I mean? See, the point was that he's up to date, this fellow. You know, he's contemporary. He's got all that deep insight and so forth, but he's contemporary, speaking our language at the same time. But the Siddhartha Thakur would often speak in English. One day his disciples, one of his disciples said, you know, Maharsha, if you would speak in Bengali or Hindi, we would be able to understand more. He said, I'm not speaking in Bengali, Hindi or English. It's coming from above and I'm, it's coming through. Just sit there. But then again, of course, if you do speak English and he speaks in English, you can't access it. By speaking in English, he would give new currency to it so that the, even illiterate Bengali students would get encouragement in life to see, the world is taking it. Must be good. Must be that, oh, everyone's taking it. They would be encouraged. Whereas you spoke in Bengali they would understand it, but they'd be a small group. If we told Augurmash, I think it would be good for you if you speak in English. And some people think if you go outside of India then you lose your spiritual standing. If you step in the shadow of a Western person who's chanting Hare Krishna, you become contaminated. Some people think like that. It's so backward they are. You see Bhakti Siddhanta Bhakti Vina Thakur, they were against all this. This is all just making the thing, the dynamic thing, static. This is what our intelligence tends to do. That's why it has, to be, it has to be tempered. It has to be trained. It has to be brought under control. It cannot be the ruler of our life, intelligence. It's a dead thing. So we will try to deaden the whole tradition. That's why we don't find a guru by our intelligence. But by divine intelligence, the guru finds us. This is what Gopal Tapani tells us. Nowadays, people want to find a guru by their intelligence, and they go around and they look rationally and they look for what's wrong with everybody. (laughs) The only place they won't do it is in relation to Prabhupada, but if they would do that to Prabhupada, they'd find things that were wrong too. Because that's what intelligence will do it'll find fault in Krishna. You understand? Mm -hmm. Because it's mundane (laughs) intelligence, so it it doesn't have any real purchasing power for divine real estate. No. if you get a divine realtor, then in conjunction with that r- realtor, guru, then you can use your intelligence in a spiritual way to actually purchase property there, where there's no death and more, where there's real life. But without that, not possible. Can we find a guru about it when we have a necessity. The extent we don't have a necessity, and we've got a problem. We find so many ways not to find a guru, and we'll. You know, they, these people who think that Prabhupada's their guru and they're not initiated, this kind of thing. This is a huge problem. It's not just a class of people who articulate this as their so called philosophy and push it, but there are shades of it everywhere that are problematic. It's so ironic. It's so ironic. And it's all in the name of glorification of Prabhupada. Like I was saying earlier, if you want to glorify Prabhupada, there's a way to do that. What is the purpose of Saroop Dhammadar and Jagannath Puri? One of the purposes. Anyone who wanted to offer glorification of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would to pass through Srub who would see if it was if the sentiment was grounded in the spiritual scriptural conclusions, Siddhanta. If the bhakti had a foundation in Vedanta. If not, then what? Shutismiti Pranadi Pantratikibin Vinaikanti Hare Vatir Kalpate. It becomes only that sentiment only becomes a disturbance to the society. Why should we have a problem with this idea? When we readily experience that many people praise Krishna inaccurately, and it's a problem for us, isn't it? We have to correct them. And so yes, Krishna is the vice is so great. He is the Saguna Brahman. The greatest manifestation of of Brahman in the world, Saguna material qualities and so forth. Of course, he's not the form of Krishna. Hmm? Krishna is not his form. Hmm? That's a glorification of Krishna, right? But it's not accurate, according to Siddhanta. So that becomes a problem for us. So if someone says, you're finding a problem with glorifying Krishna? What, what kind of devotee are you? You're finding a problem with glorifying Prabhupada? You see, you don't love Prabhupada. And they speak loudly and emotional. People back down. Yeah, Prabhupada's great. He's everything. This is the problem, You see? And who told us that? Prabhupada. Fanaticism without philosophy, or what it sentiment without philosophy. Was just fanaticism. It's actually, it's actually a quote of Rabindranath Tagore that Prabhupada incorporated into his own preaching. Religion without philosophy is just sentiment, and philosophy without religion is just um, mental kind of gymnastics. What is the value of knowledge if it has no application? Is the value of knowledge that it simply retires imperfect movement, or as we were talking last night, is the real, full face of knowledge that which informs perfect movement, love, and thereby synonymous and the ultimate issue with bhakti. Hmm. So things like that. So how do we today? How do we, you know? How do we? Dynamic in our preaching and make adjustments, but keeping the sadhana intact for the very present and real circumstances that we're facing today in 2006. Right. Well, first of all, it's important to note that it has to be done. You can't not do it and be alive as a mission. You can't not do it. That's one lesson to be learned. Because some people say, we can't do it. Prabhupada could do. Bhaktivinoda, but are you Prabhupada? Or are you Bhaktivinoda? Some people will say like that. But in their own life, even the people who say like that, they are doing it on some level. Everybody has to do it on some level. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody does. Everybody has to apply it in some kind of dynamic way. Just like, I'll give you an example. A fellow told a student of mine that Prabhupada wrote in his books and he quote, showed him the quote anyone who reads my books is my disciple close the book it's right there in black and white Prabhupada said anybody who reads my book is my disciple his purport was therefore no one needs to get initiated by anybody we don't need any new gurus Prabhupada said it right here it's right here Anyone who reads my book is my disciple. So, of course, my friend didn't accept that, and he answered him in some way, and he asked what I would have said. I would have said, well, you just take it to the next level of absurdity. And you say, yeah, there's no need for any regulative principles either. Right? People can eat meat or whatever they want, but just to let they read the book, they're initiated. In fact, I gave a book to a guy the other day, and he, went, he was reading a couple of pages, and he went into McDonald's, and, had a hamburger and so forth and, and, and then he went to the bar and got drunk and he's your god brother. Then that person will say, what and he will start to understand, explain his own concept as static as it is in a dynamic way. He'd be forced to. Do you understand? So everybody is doing that. Nobody's not doing that. So to say that you can't do it only Prabhupada can do it. it, is absurd. Everybody's doing. But then, still, a good person who understands this and you know is obviously making adjustments and time and circumstance, there would be larger issues that they have to deal with, that were dealt with in a different way, in a different time and circumstance, by previous societies, for whom you have the highest regard for their realization. And they have, the circumstances are different, and you have to apply that now this circumstance. And so, you have to be able to sort out, this requires realization, what's a detail and what's a principle. And it requires some realization, so either we have it or we don't. But if we don't, we have to attach ourselves to someone whom we feel confident has that realization. Because after all, that's what we did when we attached ourselves to Prabhupada. And then it didn't matter what adjustment he made, did it? It didn't matter. It mattered to some people in Godimoth who thought he was, like, changing the whole thing. But what he was doing was making it accessible to us. And you have to judge, Falena pari, chiyate, by the results. So let's look for the result. You brought up an issue like women. Like In this country, before the 1920s, women weren't allowed to vote. So what do you think? There are conservative people who are sexist are members of Godia Vaishnavism who think that women shouldn't be able to participate in certain things and so forth and so on do they think they shouldn't be able to vote do they not fit do they don't have enough brain to vote And that's what people used to think men would sit and talk politics and women would you know, crochet you know, and gossip and, and that was what they were supposed to do they weren't supposed to read books and so forth <laughs> there was a time in Christianity when, when it was thought that women didn't have souls and this is in the western world so it was like that to some extent in India also, these things are... You know, so, um, you look at Prabhupada. How people in Gaudiya Vaishnavism saw the role of women was very different than how Prabhupada saw the role of women. Extremely different. And they would criticize Prabhupada for his adjustments and so forth. So again, I'm, if you want to follow Prabhupada, you're going to have to be a dynamic person and make adjustments and know that his work according to time and circumstance. And if you study them, they were extremely liberal and contemporary. And he would try something and he would look for the result. Let's adjust it was adjusted this way and see what is the result. You know, we used to go out and sell books dressed like this, and then we couldn't enter into certain places where it was illegal. So risking arrest we would go to the airport in disguise, wearing secular clothes because there were so many people there, and they would go all over the world. The book if you sold here would go, all, you know, to so many places in the world. So we used to, this is in Los Angeles, we used to sneak, and we began to sneak into the airport, and we were wearing disguise. And one of Prabhupada's disciples, this master, wrote to Prabhupada, and said, they're dressing like like hippies, which is kind of how we dress, because that's what, you know, whatever. That was, that was the secular dress of the young people at the time and we put on long-haired wigs and so forth, and we were disguised, and we were selling books. And um, so he wrote to Prabhupada, dressing again like hippies, and so, so Prabhupada must be stopped immediately. So we all got together and thought, hmm, Prabhupada has responded based on a certain information. Let's give him other information and see how he responds to that. And we wrote to Prabhupada and told him, you know, we have no interest in dressing like this whatsoever, except that we have thought that it will be, help us Facilitate just distributing your books and so forth. If you want us to dress otherwise and s- distribute less, you know that's, that's fine. We don't. That's up to you. Probably, immediately wrote back and changed it. Then, in his own books, in his, in his commentaries, he wrote, and they are changing the dress, and it's authorized because of this. And he gives some precedent that's really a stretch, and and so on. So, you know, he was very dynamic, and he would try something and see if it worked, and and whatnot. And what works, what works, is if people are enthusiastic to hear and chant. That's all. The whole point is, if they become enthusiastic here and chant, everything is salt. Don't worry about it. And if a new person, let's say you have an ashram, and you have a, a you know, and say I'm in charge. Nightmare that it would be, but... <laughs> and some new person joins. And so I've taught the students all how to conduct themselves in a particular way. So a new person joins. And so he comes to walk and they say, you've got to bow down here. Don't turn that way, you've got to turn this way. And then he sits down to eat. Don't sit like that. Sit like this. Don't eat with that hand. Eat with this hand. It's overbearing, right? The fellow starts to get like, wow, this is heavy, you know. Now, if I come in, I say, no, 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 don't, tell, don't tell him about that. Don't worry. You can eat with that hand. It's all right. It doesn't matter. I'm concerned with something more, broader concern. And if that's in place, then all the other things will, will come into place in time. But the neophyte will be concerned with all these. Details as they were applied in certain circumstances and so forth and think that that's the whole thing. And then it becomes counterproductive. The person will become discouraged and go out the door. So adjustments have to be made. And how will we know what to do and what not to do? Well, you trust your realization. You may make a mistake and then you adjust accordingly. Or if you don't trust your realization, get good counsel in someone who you, you do trust, who is doing it dynamically, and see... So, like, you know, if, if you have a policy that, for example, let's say this is the temple, right? Well, it is, room. And you have a policy, if any women come, they have to stand out there on the porch in the back, and they have to look all the way through the screen. Then, you know, not too many modern women are going to be interested in your mission. Right? So, I mean, what's the principle here? You know, that maybe there should be some. Separation between men and women. And, uh, everybody accepts that on some level. People aren't against that. that the interaction between the sexes should be, uh, should be restricted. Everyone accepts that. It's universal. Where they draw the line is, you know, is different. But, so you have to draw it in a progressive way. I'll give you an example. You, know, you follow four regulative principles. Prabhupada gave what he called four regulative principles. Are they principles or are they details? their details. If you study, you see their details. They're not the principle. They're to help facilitate the principle. But they're details, they can be adjusted, and Prabhupada adjusted them on an individual basis. Both the number of rounds people would chant, he sometimes adjusted. And those principles he also adjusted. And to speak, Bhaktisiddhanta was prepared to serve meat. Prabhupada almost fainted when he heard that. Sridhar said he was there too, he almost fainted also. What did Bhaktisanta Saraswati say? He said, I thought about this 200 lifetimes ago. That's what he said. I'm prepared to do whatever it takes to create an, an encouraging environment for people to chant the name of Krishna. This is like pretty radical. <laughs> That's the lineage that we come in. That's pretty extreme. Prabhupada told his disciples they should only have sex in marriage for procreation. 99.9% of them couldn't do that. And what if they all went to him and said, Prabhupada, we can't do that. What do you think he would have said? What did they say when he said, we should all chant 64 rounds a day? They said, we can't do that. They said, okay, then chant 32. They said, we can't do that. He said, well, chant 16. <laughs> That's what he said. So I don't mean that everything could be just changed, that he was dynamic in that way. What's the principle? Let's take this relation between the sexes, for example. This thing should be restricted in some way so that it's more holistic, so it has more meaning. If you have sex for having children, you lose interest in sex because your interest will be transferred to the children largely. Every married couple has experience of that. They become more attached to the children. The, the infatuation that was there, romantic infatuation, turns into commitment, and there's more involved. It becomes a you know a bigger affair. It's not just infatuation between you and me. We've got something else to be concerned about. Here. We love our kids, and so a lot of this affection gets transformed, transferred to the children, and so forth. So it's a it's a way of of evaporating the desire for uh, sensual interaction. Uh, but the principle is, at any rate, that it should be restricted in a progressive way, in a way that it that, that brings... you do it, but it has more meaning to it. So do it in a, in a married relationship then, you can say. Only in marriage. I mean, that's a huge stretch in today's world of restricting. You understand? So you you bring up, like, uh, homosexuality, another dynamic of the society, you know. It was believed that it was a disease. In in this country, for many, many, many years, it was considered a pathology. But it's not. What are you going to do? If you're heterosexual, then you have a natural attraction to the opposite sex. Right? If you're homosexual, in, in the true sense of the term, you have a natural attraction to the same sex. Now, sexual attraction, is, is the whole world is moving around that. You think it's user-friendly, which bhakti is, for me to tell you, a heterosexual, that you have to give up sex altogether to follow this path? It's not, is it? It's user-friendly because we say you don't have to give it up. You can marry and do it like this. Make it more wholesome in, in, in its way, right? We make it more user-friendly. Like Gyanmark, you know, yeah, you have to give that up. You have to be celibate. Bhakti is more generous. So where are you going to, how are you going to be generous in, in, in regard to this? Someone's natural attraction is to the opposite sex. How are you going to be generous to them as a representative of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? What are you going to tell them? Sorry, you have to be celibate. You know how strong that attraction is? You know. You've got it. For the opposite sex. Is that generous? What to do, so... What do you think Prabhupada would do if he went if he came, went to a planet of homosexuals? How would he preach there? You see, used you to think like that. He yeah? would be kind to people. This is Krishna consciousness, kind and compassionate for their condition. It's appalling to you because you have sexual sensibilities. If someone who is truly homosexual will find heterosexual appalling, or this, just, just like, I'm not interested in that. It's like you might feel. It's the same phenomenon. It's more rare, so it's, it's kind of the ex- exception, but it's it's a condition. It's a material condition. And Krishna consciousness is, is such that it addresses all material conditions in a compassionate way and includes all people. So you don't have to come up with something mm-hmm. something, so, di- almost, something what, what, dynamic. What, what would you do if you, you had a, a gay couple come and say, we want to get married? Well, I don't marry anybody, so... I know. Uh, say, say no they, problem for me. Coming, say, or, or to my husband, he's a, he's a minister. So, so they, they uh, say to him, you know, we'd like you to marry us. Now I say to uh, gay people that they should live in a committed relationship because they need emotional support like every, like any heterosexual does. I can't deny them of that. They needed most people need emotional support, companionship, intimacy, and so forth, in order to, in order to feel whole, so that then they could get on with spiritual life or other things that are more important. Whatever it is in life, you know, they need that. So I encourage them to live together and uh, and in a committed relationship. And then I also encourage them in this way that because you don't have children then you have more money to spend because any married person who has children will have more money to sp- have to spend money on the children so i said you have to make this relationship more sanctified by making it the sacrifice in a heterosexual relationship when you have sexual union there's a chance that you'll have a child right so if you do then you have to sacrifice the equation of the relationship now, more sacrifice has been factored into it, considerable. For a long time, you have to raise that child, and the child may not be interested even in doing what you want, but you, uh, or even in Krishna consciousness. So but you still have to raise it. So it's a, it's a huge sacrifice. But in a a homosexual uh, relationship, then there's no prospect for, for children, bearing children, right? So I, I, And I tell them, well it's not a good idea to adopt. By make a sacrifice like this, you have more disposable income because you don't have to spend it on your children, so you give more to Krishna consciousness. What I will expect from this couple of people, from a heterosexual couple, in, 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 in terms of monetary support, which is good for them, you know, when you give your money, you go there. You want to pay attention. Wherever you give your money, you'll pay attention. Uh, so they should... Factor this because it's the whole thing's about sacrifice. If the equation is such it constitutes making sac—I mean, just to live with people becomes a sacrifice. You know, together you have to sacrifice. But the more this the relationship involves sacrifice, the more it's progressive. So that's what I do. And like I say, I'm not—I don't perform marriages. So I guess that's a another issue, I suppose like in the secular world is civil unions and then there's there's marriages. It's a topic. And so forth. Yeah, it's a big topic. But I, I wouldn't object to it, personally. Personally I wouldn't object to it. And when I think what you'd see is that well you'd see you'd see mixed things. You'd see people abuse it and you'd see people take advantage of it. And if one couple takes advantage of it then fully and they're encouraging their Krishna consciousness and they advance and make progress and it may be worthwhile. Just like the heterosexual experiment of marriage is a huge, you know, people abuse it considerably, right? Prabhupada gave us, you know, certain do it like this and they did it different ways and so was he. So, it's going to be abuse but the whole, but it's, it's not going to compromise what Krishna consciousness is. How is it going to do that? You tell me. How is it going to do away with Krishna consciousness? the whole reason people are coming to you is because they want to become Krishna conscious. If you can tweak it like this, it's going to be easier for me to, to progress. So what do you risk? That some conservative people who aren't living in today's world, really, are, you know, they've got to, um I mean, even look at the arguments in the secular world. They just don't hold up. I'm sorry, they just really don't hold up. Arguments against homosexual unions are based really in dogma and the misconception that it's, that it's some kind of a um, pathology, and that it could be cured, in other words, and be treated, and, uh, and, and that if we allow it, that, then everything will go to hell. Uh, marriage will be ruined. That's what they say. The sacred union of marriage between men and women, if we allow homosexuals to be married, then what becomes of the sacred institution of marriage? <laughs> what, are people going to stop getting married? Heterosexuals are going to stop getting married because homosexuals are getting married? Does that make any sense? Well, how's it going to defile it? I mean, we're a very, we're a very morally conservative group, Godi Vaishnavism. We have a moral foundation to our lifestyle. We're very conservative people in the world today. You know, and if we encourage uh, homosexual uh, couples like this, we may be liberal in that regard, still we're an extremely conservative organization, and our values are—you know—we don't change our values. Values remain the same. You understand? So uh, what's what's really the big deal? Well, the big deal is somebody who we respect and regard seemed to say it differently in the past. You can't find a whole lot of statements about it here and there. You know, a Pendra? you know—he mm-hmm. went to Prabhupada and told. Prabhupada after trying in so many ways to avoid his homosexuality, he said, You know, I'm homosexual, Prabhupada. And he talked it out with Prabhupada and Prabhupada said to him, Then find a nice boy and carry on with Krishna consciousness. You know? If you hear that, you know, yeah, that's that's Prabhupada. That's the kind of thing he would say. Then find a nice boy. And get on with it. Let the you know, train go on. I mean he already collected so much, you know, baggage as it was, you know, that wasn't there. The way he in so many respects. I mean, I met one fellow in India, he said, your guru has women and men dancing in the same, together in the temple, dancing with one another before the deity. And that was his what he thought. <laughs> that was what went on in his con, you know. But men and women were in the same temple and they were dancing, but it wasn't like they were doing the twist or something. You know? <laughs> to, you know, Chubby Checker on the, you know, with the, you know... <laughs> You know that's how gets, that gets how they, they they think about it. So, so, we have to be dynamic. I mean, I just talked a little bit about these examples. They could be they could be thought about in different ways. And it's a worthwhile discussion. But you know, I'm I'm pretty progressive in my thinking about it. And I've been doing this for 20 years. So, you can look and see what the results are. Is it going to hell in my group? Are my students becoming less Christian conscious? Are they becoming more enthusiastic and have a good understanding? So you can check it out and see then you can know, well, it, it, he's doing it here, working fine. People are enthusiastic, they're understanding. There are people who have problems, too, like anywhere. But overall, you know, you've got 20 years of you know, history to look at, in, in relation to someone like myself, for example, or anyone. So it's a big topic, and it's, you, know, you can't get away with it. You can't just hide behind, well, you know, we're not realized, we can't do anything. We, you have, as I said, everybody has to do it, all the time, on some level. And if you don't do it in relation to the larger issues of the society, then you become obsolete. It requires knowing what Krishna consciousness is. Then you can speak about it in any language, right? To any people, in such a way as it will be appealing. It's universal. So, anyway, we've talked for a long time now, so we should stop. jai, ki jai, jai si jai.